Well, Steven, we're here. We're almost done with community. I didn't think we'd ever make it, but we made it. And I think, how about, just for old time's sake, we record an intro to the podcast just one more time. Let's do it, Zach. I think we can handle it. If you like what we do here, make sure you mosey on over to patreon.com slash podcast For as little as five bucks a month, you too can feed a Zach and Steven in need, and you'll get access to all sorts of awesome content. Our weekly live pre-show that we do, You Can't Dis a Pre-Show. We've got some bonus podcasts on there. Days and days, just scads of content over there for you. Plus, maybe some new stuff coming soon, so make sure you put your ear to the ground, send us your bones, throw us at least a fiver, and see what it'll get you. Follow us on Twitter over at You Can't Dis a Pod. It's very important because starting October 18th, we'll have the week-long poll that decides between the four shows we've chosen for our next full rewatch podcast. So follow us on Twitter. Make sure you're a part of that poll and tell us what show we should talk about next. If you just can't get enough, watch those patties and come over and double tap us on Instagram over at Can't Disappoint Podcast. We're also on Facebook and YouTube under the whole name of the show, You Can't Disappoint a Podcast. All sorts of vids, things to like, subscribe, and and slap the bell to get notified. After we finish the series finale of Community, we'll still be a weekly community podcast for the rest of 2022 as we conduct a series of community superlative podcasts where we'll be creating top five lists on several different community-related topics. Follow us on all our social medias to see how you can be a part of those final podcast episodes. Speaking of five, if you think that we're both five-star men and this is a five-star show, make sure you leave a review wherever you review your podcasts on Apple Music, on Yelp, on Spotify, on TripAdvisor. We're there. Just check us out. Everyone, it has been an honor to do this community rewatch podcast for the past few years, and I hope you'll stick around with us as we wrap it up and move on to the next thing. Steven, what do you have to say as we move onward and upward? Thanks for sticking with us as long as you have. We hope that you hitch your get-alongs to our pick-em-up and ride along with us into whatever the future holds. All right, and for one of the last times, let's do it. Let's start the episode of You Can't Disappoint a Podcast. Okay. We're very, very excited to be joined by Andrew Guest. He's a writer that has written on a lot of our favorite shows like 30 Rock and Parks and Recreation. Hello, I never wrote on Parks, but everything else is accurate. Oh, I said Parks and Recreation. <laughs> I meant, and Recreation what did exactly. I mean? Did I already... What did I? Oh my gosh. Hello, everybody out there, and welcome to a very special surprise drop bonus episode interview edition of You Can't Disappoint a Podcast. It's very exciting what's going down today, so let's waste no haste. That doesn't make any sense, but let's not waste time. Steven, we can't waste time. We can't waste time. It's like when you, it's it's Christmas morning and yeah. you, you empty out your stocking, but guess what? It's December 26th and you missed and a crisp hundo at December the bottom of that little sweaty sock. Andrew Guest is wrapped up underneath the tree, so we got to get to that present. <laughs> oh, he's struggling for breath. We got to let him out, Zach. Hi, everybody. Welcome to You Can't Disappoint a Podcast. I'm Zach. I'm Steven. And we've got some very exciting stuff to do here. We just got to have a full conversation with Andrew Guest, a writer for seasons one, two, and six of Community, and also the recently appointed executive producer and co-writer of the Community movie. I'll humble brag, 
the day the community movie was announced, we were arranging this conversation with Andrew Guest. And yeah. that is so exciting to us. All the amazing things we've gotten to do since starting this podcast have just blown us away at every step. And I'm really appreciative that we were able to have this opportunity to ask him some of the burning questions that we've all been thinking about since the announcement and to also just get to have a, a conversation with a television writer, hear what it's like to be a writer on a show. That was awesome. Yeah, it was incredible. Um, such a great opportunity to get to talk to him. He's had some great insight and, and maybe some some little tidbits that you guys will be interested to hear. All right, we're, we're going to get right into it, but, but, but first, you know we've got to shout out our $10 and up patrons over at patreon.com slash podcast. Those people are Brendan Fulkemer, Emmy Azrael, Planeswalker Prez, Brian Thurman, Mary Baker Budisa, and of course, Danny M. of Lugo. We're very appreciative of all of those people, and being a patron gets you all kind of stuff, like every episode we do, including this bonus interview early before anyone else gets to hear it over on Patreon, along with our bonus podcasts like Brokeback Bebop and You Can't Disappoint Show. That's all over there at patreon.com slash can't disappoint podcast. And of course, the, we wouldn't be able to do any of the cool things that we get to do on the show, like talking to Andrew Guest today, without the support love and guilt that we receive from our community papa at communities on twitter thanks matt for everything that you do over there and all the people at communities do uh who knows you're about to hear it from andrew guest none of this would have happened without you and the organization of community fans that you help contribute towards you know zach when we treaded along this sandy beach uh this wind swept uh wet desert to get to this interview today, I looked down at the sand, and there were not two sets of footprints, Zach. There were three sets of footprints, because he was walking right between us, one hand on each little cheek of ours, uh, getting us there safely. So thanks, Dad, for always keeping your, your watchful, omnipotent eyes over us. Now, Stephen, I want to talk to the people a little bit after the interview about what's coming up for our podcast mm -hmm. as we are wrapping up Community uh, but I don't think we should waste any more time. I think the people are excited and ready to hear our exclusive interview with Andrew Guest, executive producer and co-writer of the Community Movie. Let's let him out of that chimney. Hi, everybody out there. Welcome to You Can't Disappoint a Podcast. Another interview for you guys. Zach and Steven here. We're very, very excited to be joined by Andrew Guest. He's a writer that has written on a lot of our favorite shows like 30 Rock and Parks and Recreation and Brooklyn Nine-Nine. And of course, we're all very excited about the recent announcement for the Community Movie, of which he is the co-writer and executive producer. So we're very, very excited to be joined by Andrew Guest. Woo! Hello, I never wrote on Parks, but everything else is accurate. Oh, I said Parks and Recreation. <laughs> I I meant, and Recreation what did exactly. I mean? Did I already? What did I? It's oh my good. gosh! Sorry, I, I didn't write show. this the other day. I know you didn't credit. write on Parks and Rec. I meant to say maybe something. I did. Maybe Hawkeye, Suburgatory. How about wrong. those? There we go. Okay, those are fine. Well, it's been a really exciting week since we got the community movie announcement about a week and a half ago. How's it been for you? We know how it's been for the fan base. How, how's your week and a half been? It's just been amazing to see the response online, you guys. Uh, really, I mean, I can tell you that Sony is thrilled and Peacock is thrilled. But yes. more importantly, Joel McHale, the cast, Dan Harmon, myself, we were all feeling the love. And the truth is... Um, 
you know, this wouldn't be happening without people like yourselves, uh, you. Zach and Steven. Seriously, like all the pod, I've, I've done a few interviews on a couple other community podcasts and uh, it, it, is, it is the fan support that has kept community alive and made, made it an imperative for, you know, corporations to decide that there's still money out there because people still care about this show, as, as, yeah. Uh, yeah. which is wonderful to see. So yeah, thank that's you. so exciting. It's been such a fun journey as a fan to follow, you know, our, our hearts. So in this show and all the ups and downs have been great. And this is such a fun and exciting new chapter in the storied history of the show. The fact that it's on Peacock kind of going back to NBC in a way, I think is just awesome. Yeah, we're excited. We, it, they, I will say, are have been incredibly enthusiastic and really responded not just to the concept, but the the um, you know the way Dan and I are approaching what this movie is going to be about, and and just the the general creative vibe of community. They really they, it's what they want, and we're we're thrilled to have partners who are that excited about it. So it's good. That it's going to be so good, exciting. you guys. It's awesome. We're so excited. So how did this come to you to be the <laughs> co-writer for the movie? Is this something that's been like a secret for quite a long time? Almost three years. Wow. wow. So it's been that long that it's been a real thing? So let's see. Uh, 2019, December 2019, Dan wow. had a meeting with Sony. Uh, and Sony was like, we think it's time. Wow. In June 2020, pre-pandemic, I had lunch with Dan. Wow. And he said, hey, do you want to do this with me? And I said, of course. Are you kidding? <laughs> Amazing. Uh, and then cut to now. <laughs> wow. It's been, wow. It's been a slow. It's not easy. It's not easy. It's, it's cool not... to know that because from the fan perspective, it happened really, really fast. Yeah. Uh, it, it went really quickly from the, oh, everyone wants to do it, whether or not it'll actually happen, who knows, to seemingly overnight now actually knowing the news it was very exciting. So that's that's mind blowing to know that it's been real for that long. Yeah, that's so cool. It's like kind of a, like a homecoming, right? Coming back to NBC in a way, doing it on Peacock. I know that Dan was saying uh, recently on the Variety kind of interview thing that, that they were kind of the best balance of like creative freedom and things. How important was that to you as a writer to kind of make sure that that was, was going to be able to be maintained when you guys were writing the, the I story? I mean, it's, it's huge. It's huge because what you don't want is somebody who doesn't want you and is yeah. like doing it for other kinds of reasons. You know, they're not everybody in Hollywood is in it for the love of, of uh, the content. <laughs> right. it and so it's sort of, uh, there was a genuine passion. We some of these people who were uh, on the other side of our pitch over at Peacock were at NBC when we were making Community. Wow. They, uh, yeah. So they, it was in many ways like coming home and seeing a lot of faces that we were familiar with who still loved our show and and were so excited about what it was going to be now and 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 how we were going to approach this. And so yeah, it, that's huge. That's so cool. So. You wrote on the first two seasons of Community and then came back for the series finale, right? That is correct. So the Community movie, before Dan brought it to you, was it something that you found yourself thinking about, like having ideas for these characters and where they'd go? It was mostly thinking how impossible it would be to ever make a movie. Of right. <laughs> I do not... 
I, I do not envy your task ahead of you because I don't know to expand a TV show to a movie, but to also have to live up to all the things people want out of it. That must be that must be a lot. Yep, we're bound to fail. Once you embrace <laughs> the inevitable failure, then you can get past it and start being like, "What would be fun? What do we? What do we want to see?" That's awesome. Uh, well, you talking about seeing a lot of the people at Peacock that you had recognized from the original run. Uh, obviously, Community is Dan's baby, but there are so many people from behind the scenes that we hold really close to the show. Is there a lot of effort being made to get a lot of the people who work on the show production side back for the movie? I mean, we're it, it's early stages. Right. We, um, the one of the things that's been so nice uh, since this finally became official and announced mm -hmm. uh, last Friday is um, just this. Suddenly, there's this center of gravity, like mm -hmm. where you know we may not have had you know in writing every one of our cast members or everybody yet, but like people are reaching out, directors are reaching out, you know. That that uh, the Jillian Anderson thing. She wants to That's be in hilarious. the movie. That's, that's amazing. That's the most community thing ever, right? Uh, and so that's that's the spirit that Dan and I have been approaching this from the beginning. Is like, let's do this the right way. Let's get let's let's make it with the people who want to make it, and let's anybody who wants to come on board at any stage that we love is going to be invite you know welcomed with open arms, and we're going to so be thrilled to do it. Yeah. That's great. I think, you know, obviously a lot of people have been asking lots of questions like, oh, is this person going to be in it? Is this person going to be in it? But I think it's it's got to be reassuring to know that obviously you guys want everyone, you know, so yeah. if they can be in it, they will be. I think that's so cool. That's our hope. And there's there's like, I don't know if you saw Joel McHale's quote over the weekend or something yeah. else, but, you know, I, I think he's right. I think, uh, you know, it, it, there is something to this group that is genuine, uh, a genuine love sure. for each other and for the show that they all created together. And, you know, during the pandemic, when that table read happened, it was one of those things where I was like, they didn't know if Donald would be able to make it. He's he's, you know, he's maybe the busiest man in Hollywood. <laughs> so and, famous. Yeah. yeah, he's uh, yeah, he's doing OK. <laughs> so um, but, you know, lo and behold, there he appeared, you know, and so that's that's uh, what we're hoping for, I think, essentially. And it was so wholesome and delightful to see everybody back together, especially Donald. You know, there's always the question of once you become that famous, how easy is it to fall back into, you know, meek Troy? And it just just made us all smile a lot to see him mm -hmm. yeah. read those lines yeah. again. Well, the truth is that these this cast is still fi firing in all cylinders. It's yeah. like mm -hmm. they're that chemistry is legit. They are yeah. all still amazing. And, you know, if you were pitching me a show today that I got to, or a movie that I got to write, regardless of whether it was in community related, but had this, those six cast members that are already going to be a part of this, I've been like, oh, amazing. Of course. Are you kidding? That's yeah. going to be incredible. pretty hard to go wrong. Yeah. Everyone's <laughs> complaining about, or not complaining, but everyone holds it so close to them that they want specific things out of it. Just the idea that Jim Rash is going to play the Dean again is enough mm -hmm. yeah. for me to be into the movie. Yeah. So it's a community movie, but it, it is a movie. Is the process for writing the the dialogue when it comes to a film different than writing the quick, fast for a TV show, or is it really important to to keep that same feel for the movie? No, it's it's going to feel very much like writing for the TV show. Uh, I think in terms of like, I mean, one of the wonderful things is we know these characters, and yeah. that's like such a 
difficult part of of the discovery process uh, when you're doing writing is is finding who these people are and what they want. And we know that. Um, and it'll, you know, hopefully uh, be <laughs> easy process. We'll see. We'll, <laughs> well see. that makes me want to ask, because everyone knows that's close to the show, whether you're a fan or you worked on it, how... Uh, uh, how hard it could be to get scripts for episodes sometimes, how they were constantly being tweaked and changed to the last second, which led to some of these incredibly iconic episodes of television, but I know made it a hard place to work sometime. Are you thinking that the the movie is inviting yourself back into that world, or do you think it's going to be a little more streamlined? I mean, I uh, listen, I am going in with <laughs> <laughs> open eyes. And, you know, I, you know, you mentioned that I did the first two seasons of Community and came back for the final episode, which when right. you say the final episode, literally it was five days of work. Uh, the final, you know, and I don't know how much you're familiar with a uh, typical sitcom production schedule, mm -hmm. but like when you're in those final five days, the script is written, you're right. shooting it. You have five days to shoot a thing. Well, and am I wrong to think that usually for TV shows, a script would have been submitted like months before that? Is that... that is wrong. It That's is wrong? typically, you know, you're typically reading you have a table read for the thing that shoots the next Monday on the Monday prior. So okay. mm. what happens is a writer will write the first draft of called the writer's draft, but way before that, then they'll get notes from internally from the other writers and from Dan or whoever the showrunner is, and they will rewrite it and send it to the studio and get notes. And then you send it to the network and get notes. And then you have a table read the week before you shoot. Wow, And then you get notes after that table read. Table reads are extremely important because you hear it all and you get to hear what jokes work and get to feel mm -hmm. what story is right. working. And then you rewrite it that week until you start shooting the following Monday. Um, but, and so I was, you know, I, I, Dan and Chris McKenna had been reaching out in that final season because I know that they, they, everyone was burning out. It was right. a slog. It, and I, I was like, sure, I could come back. And I thought I was going to come back for a few weeks. And then it got to the end. It was like... <laughs> It was literally five days. I was like, okay, sure. I mean, I, wow. I don't know what I'm going to do in five days. Like, I show up, I show up, and and they hadn't started. Uh, they didn't have a story for the finale. Uh, <laughs> I kid you not. Um, so, we my first day back was an all nighter. I hadn't done an all nighter in so wow. long, um, and we shot. You know, Rob Schraub shot some empty hallways that day one of the five day shoot. <laughs> and then by we'll the following morning, <laughs> by the following morning, we had some scenes written to send down to set to, that they could start shooting. And then we were slowly feeding the beast. Uh, so, but that's how that one wow. happened. I was like, wow. oh yeah, I, I, <laughs> I helped break the finale because there wasn't a story when I walked in the door. Uh, well, that's incredible that your trajectory of a writer includes like kind of being around for the formation of the show, coming back for the ending of the show, and now coming back for, I guess, another ending for the show. Yeah. That's incredible. Yeah. No, it, um, I'll tell you that my relationship with this project, with community in general, was always felt very special. Like it was, um, you know, I had, I took me about six years from being a writer's uh, like a PA mm -hmm. to finally getting staffed on a job. And I staffed officially as a writer the year before community on a show called do not disturb a multicam for Fox with Macy Nash and Terry O'Connell. But like, nice. the, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was great. Um, uh, the, the pilot uh, I had read that following year, you know, this is back in the day when everything was cyclical, like you mm -hmm. either staffed when it was time to staff, 
or you missed the boat and you waited until the following staffing season and that, huh. all the pilots sort of got picked up at the same time and this was the pilot dan's pilot for community was the thing i was like oh my god that's of all the shows that's the one i want to write on and then i had this great meeting with dan he read my two of my samples and like it was just an amazing meeting and wow. he actually you know hired me and i got to be there like you said from the beginning of and that was also a very difficult show to much like this movie to figure out what the show was because sure. yeah many many traditional network sitcom pilots have what's called a story engine innately in them meaning mm -hmm. that you know you sort of it's like i don't i haven't seen home economics but uh you know those <laughs> siblings all uh, come from they have, have different financial uh, I attitudes seen these. and yeah, sure. yeah. Oh, i remember uh, i remember <laughs> i remember because i worked on this show called hope and faith and the uh -huh. showrunners mm -hmm. there uh who had been writer's assistants worked on courting the gym years before they ran courting the gym and mm -hmm. the, the 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 story engine the the thing that they figured out every episode work made it work was that uh jim belushi would seem like he was wrong for <laughs> the first two acts mm -hmm. and then be proven right like he had you know he came at every problem like his and and that was it and then so once they figured out that clicked and then you had you knew what every episode was community obviously was not that we, well it we certainly had, feels like a show that would get bored with that Yes, it would. It would definitely get bored with that very quickly. Um, and yeah, it was. So getting to sort of uh, figure out how we tell the next episode of that show was very interesting and how to make it through the first season and then the second. And um, it will, it, you know, I've had a lot of bosses. I'm lucky enough now to be a boss and to when you have somebody who whose creative uh, taste and instincts you align with where it's a natural fit is really special and unique in this industry. And I've always felt that with Dan, like I knew when I was going to have an idea that he was really going to like, and I knew I sort of understood his brain a little bit in a good way. Um, and it was <laughs> very fulfilling in that way. That's so cool. Um, I'd like to talk a little bit about getting started in writing. You mentioned being a PA. Uh, did you always have like a strong love of television growing up? Yeah, I was a classic Gen X latchkey kid. Um, nice. Yeah, divorced parents, mom worked full time. I would get home with my key and watch TV every day. <laughs> and uh, when I was in college, I mean, I was I was an English major and I always loved books. Nice. And I was like, nice. I always wanted to write. Um, and I thought I should write books or novels. And I was not, I didn't really know how to begin. And then I um fell into i i applied to an abc fellowship where i, I bought a book on how to write a sitcom and i oh, nice. knew that the deadline was three weeks away and i wrote my first sitcom spec and in those days what you did was you wrote an episode of an existing show these days you write original things but it was it, i suddenly realized that all those hours spent at home in front of the tv were very valuable because i uh, <laughs> it, it felt like a natural fit um and i i really enjoyed it in a way that like writing other things always felt painful this felt fun and not that there's not pain there's always pain sure in the process of writing but this yeah. was a more fun experience That's do you awesome. remember what show you wrote the spec for sure it was will and grace nice okay. will and grace. yeah 
What kind of shows were you watching that 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 helped you learn all that for writing? Like when you're when you're getting home from school and sitting in front of the TV all day. I mean, I would watch. You know, back when in th that time of day, you know, was reruns of things like you know Gilligan's Island and nice. like yeah, and like Three's Company and things like that. But you know, as I I also was like you know I remember when The Simpsons started 33 years ago, and that was like creatively a huge deal that Seinfeld yeah. were those things you know made a big impact uh comedically creatively on me and still do I still look at those shows it's just incredible yeah, it's I mean such a perfect school for comedy those shows yes. that era yeah. do you remember the first time that you saw your name in the credits of a show was that something that really stood out to you that you hold hold dear yeah it was a big deal I remember um, I got to the first time I actually got to write an episode of TV and get paid for it was when I was a writer's assistant on Hope and Faith, which was a multicam that shot in New York City with Faith Ford and Kelly Ripa. Mm -hmm. And I remember the morning I had sent my draft in, heading into work to deal with like getting, hearing real writers respond <laughs> to the thing that somebody paid me real money to write. Yeah. And it was a really emotional experience as I walked through uh, Long Island City to Silver Cup Studios, uh, and uh, I and then they they hated it. But that's another story. <laughs> <laughs> it was not a good. It was it wasn't good. I didn't do a good job. But you know, that's a learning. It's a learning process. That's awesome. I, I mean, just as someone who loves uh, television so much, having a conversation with the writer is so neat. So thanks for yeah. thanks for hanging out of with course. us. This is cool. Um, I so I know you worked on Thirty Rock. That's a show that Stephen and I both like a lot. Mm -hmm. um, I'll, I'll I'll cross out all my Parks and Rec questions. <laughs> right. uh, so Thirty Rock and Community, you know, both shows that are very much the voice of their creator in different ways. Uh, what was similar and what was different in a Tina Fey writing room and a Dan Harmon writing room? Uh, well, good question. Um, and uh, I, I agree that they are such uniquely distinct shows uh, and have such a clear, creative, comedic voice to both of them. And right. I will say that um, there's a there's a stark contrast, which as a somebody who's been an assistant or a writer in those rooms, you know, showrunners are getting have to constantly uh, hear pitches from the other staff. You're like working on a line of dialogue at a time sometimes <laughs> or talking about story. And you're constantly weighing, you know, what is the funniest thing this person could say right now in this moment versus how is this moving the story along versus mm -hmm. is this fitting in this character's voice um, <laughs> among many other things. But, but um, when I was at 30 Rock, it was very clear that Tina and Robert, who have mm -hmm. a unique partnership and a, a very amazing comedic chemistry, wanted the funniest thing that somebody could possibly say, no matter what it was. And mm -hmm. if we it, we would follow the joke, if, if somebody pitched something and uh, it made the room laugh, it stayed in the script mm -hmm. and everything else would sort of fall after that, you know? That's um, cool. And I, you can watch 30 Rock and I don't, I don't, I don't know another show that has better jokes than that show, uh, to me. And wow. and they they also had this philosophy I don't that like that, that we don't we don't have to tell a joke that everyone's going to get because we're going to have you know 
five more in the next two seconds of this yeah, show that so you can miss half of them and still enjoy more jokes than you would somewhere else. Yeah. So um, they, uh, yeah, that was an amazing show to watch that kind of joke crafting happen. And then for Dan, Dan is much more concerned, as you probably know, with story, you right. know? And so story always sort of was the thing that, mattered most when we were talking even and it comes down to lines of dialogue too because it's how you move a story along and mm -hmm. um but he would approach you know if we were doing a zombie episode he wanted it to be the best version of a zombie episode and sometimes the jokes wouldn't be as funny in an episode that was doing a zombie episode and sometimes characters would behave not quite in the same way they would normally but they were in but as far as the story of that zombie episode, right. we were going to tell it as best we could. Does that make sense? No, that yeah, totally so makes cool. sense. And it's amazing the community found its way to being one of those hilarious, quippy shows when you're so focused on story. Because I think there are some similarities to, to 30 Rock in that when you get all the characters in a room and they just bounce off of each other. And Dan was a fan of 30 Rock. You know, he loved the joke telling him and, and knew, I think, a little bit like that as much as we would sometimes have great joke runs, that we were never going to beat 30 Rock at that game, <laughs> that we had to do something else. Uh, yeah. That's so cool. Now, the, the episode that you wrote for 30 Rock, that was during the writer's strike season. That is correct. Uh, what was it like to be like a TV writer at that time? You know, because I'm sure there's a lot of uncertainty, a lot of uh, like different emotions was... tied into it. It was really uh, bad timing for me because <laughs> I had, um, which is what everything is really about, ultimately. It's all Obviously, about how yeah. it affected me. Um, <laughs> uh, uh, I, between seasons one and two, I, I'd been a writer's assistant on the pilot of 30 Rock and then wow. the first season. And then um, going into season two, I talked to Robert and Tina about writing an episode before I committed to coming back because, you know, as a writer's assistant, you don't get paid a lot. And yeah. the, the mm -hmm. hours are very, very bad. And, <laughs> um, you know, it's one of those jobs where sometimes being really good at it can get in the way of moving up because people want you to continue to be a writer's assistant forever. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. And so it was important to me if I was going to come back that they let me at least co-write an episode, which they agreed to. And we, those early days of 30 Rock um, were, we were always, I don't know if you know the expression on the bubble. Yeah. You know what that mm -hmm. is? Okay. So we, we were always waiting to get canceled. Right. We came very close to getting canceled after <laughs> our third or fourth airing. Hmm. Um, oh, wow. And, yeah. Um, we, you know, that we, we started not on the Thursday night. We were on Wednesday with 20, 20 good years. And us, I think we were, they were at eight and we were at 8.30 and we were doing terribly. Wow. And we were told that we didn't need to hit a certain number in the ratings or we were canceled and we didn't. And then we all thought it was over. I remember that day in the room. Anyway, I'm getting sidetracked. Anyway. No, that's um, interesting. Uh, so when I talked to Robert and Tina about coming back, I said, I would like to co-write an episode. And can it be in the first 13? Because we didn't know if we ah. were going to do more than 13 episodes. So they agreed. And this was huge. I was going to get to write an episode of 30 Rock. Then we, are, <laughs> we get to episode, I believe, 10 in the series <laughs> yeah. that season. 
and then the writer strikes happened. Right. Oh wow. Good thing and you said first thirteen. Yeah. Did you think you wouldn't get to thirteen? It may not have. We came yeah. back and did a few more. But if it hadn't been, if I hadn't said thirteen, <laughs> I wouldn't have probably written an episode that year. Um, wow. But there was that was like I think seven months. Yeah. I can't remember how. Yeah. So. So you're waiting around for seven, I mean, in, in, you don't know how long it's gonna go or if it's ever gonna end, you know? Right. Uh, so it was, it, was, uh, it was memorable to me. And a lot of writers went through much worse things than I did. And, uh, yeah. you know, um, but uh, I'm proud of the Guild for uh, sticking together and- Yeah, obviously, yeah. But I'm sure it was a scary time. Were you thinking that maybe then the show that you thought was going to get canceled now would get canceled or that everything was <laughs> yeah. going to get canceled? What were you yes, thinking? Yes, well, I mean, and that was, and, uh, you know, there was a lot of fear because what the networks did was lean on reality television yeah. mm -hmm. in a way that never really went away. <laughs> yeah, know, It really absolutely. did uh, uh, change the landscape. Um, but, you know, I was... I was back to working in a, in a restaurant. I was, you know, I, after my wow. first uh, writing, actual writing gig after 30 Rock, I got staffed because I wrote an episode of 30 Rock and I got an agent after that. Um, nice. And I got staffed on Do Not Disturb, which, which only aired three times. And again, <laughs> like I said, because of this, the network cycle, I, I had nine months of not working. So I mm -hmm. was back to working in a, in a restaurant, you know, that it's not, uh, it's, it, you got to, sort of uh, stick with it, I think, um, and be willing to, I don't know, uh, keep your head down. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's really interesting. I've always found that writer's strike so interesting and how it affected. That makes me think, you know, a lot of people point to streaming services as being the, the change and maybe why sitcoms aren't as successful, but maybe it is the writer's strike that there were, that there were so many reality shows at the time and less demand for, maybe that just never went away. I think really to a certain degree that is true because I think in some ways the uh, a reality show, a good one, fills the same sort of desire as, oh, yeah. or an audience sure. as a comedy where you don't want to think too much and you just kind of want something light, you know, and yeah. Well, then how did Community come to you? Was it that meeting you got with Dan based off of being on 30 Rock? So how it happens essentially is once you have an agent, you do what's called general meetings uh -huh. where you meet with executives at studios and networks and just talk about nothing in particular. Um, they just want to get to know who you are and they, they, it's their job to sort of find new people and to sort of understand you creatively and try to pigeonhole you. It's, it's in your interest to sort of let them do that uh, to a degree. Um, and uh, I, I was, the, you hope that those general meetings will then lead to a showrunner meeting. Mm -hmm. And I don't know who, it must have been somebody at Sony or NBC who passed my script on, or UTA. I mean, that's probably it. So uh, my agency is UTA. And when you're staffing a show and you're Dan Harmon, your agents and agents at other agencies will send you scripts. Mm -hmm. uh, and mm -hmm. they try to they try to be selective because there's a lot of people out there. And somehow mm -hmm. my a sample of mine ended up on Dan's desk and he read it and he liked it enough to meet with me. And then we had a great meeting. That's, That's awesome. really exciting. So what script was it? Was it an original script that you were sending out places? It was an original. It was I wrote a new. Um, so 
that honestly that period of unemployment i wrote a new sample that was an original sample i um my first job at a college was working for a guy who made industrials i don't know if you know what industrials are i don't know um but if you go to like a corporate uh trade show or not trade show if you go to like a corporate uh i don't know what a corporation retreat? Do, uh, job fair? you retreat sure and they like <laughs> show you a video about the company oh okay um, ah. or like you know if you go to jury duty and there's a video there uh <laughs> that was that was an industrial somebody made that right. it's it's that when it's sense. um it's like an industry specific video that you know sometimes they spend a little bit of money on not a whole lot it, it is kind of like the lowest level of you know professional production you can get yeah. into and i i worked for a guy who did that for a living and it's a, a wonderful guy who i still love and is a very nice man who at the height of his career was sort of directing dr shoals commercials and made a living doing directing these and being the production entity behind these industrials and i wrote a pilot about that process and what it was like and what it is like essentially imagining a, a fictional version of him who's you know trying to uh it was in some ways like the dunder mifflin of of production you know mm. you're not you're not yeah no one's taking you seriously but you, you have to take funny. it seriously and yeah now i i know you talked a little bit about like what the um, specifically for the finale, what the process was like, what's it look like in a, especially a Dan Harmon, you know, story driven writer's room. What's the timeline for like figuring out season arcs to then getting to specific episode to then being the credited writer for an episode, like, and seeing like the finished product, like how long does that process take? Like how involved are the writers in the overall story arcs for the season? Or is it more so like, okay, these are the episodes we want to do. Well, I, don't know what the rest of the process was like on season six but i can tell you on season one and two what it was like which was mm -hmm. essentially like like i say it was in the first early days of pre-production on season one it was what the f is this show like, <laughs> we don't know. um and what we did was just talk about the characters and in talking about the characters and in making decisions about who they were and what their backstories were and how they felt about each one of the other ones, if we paired them in a scene or what they would be like together, that started generating story ideas. Um, mm -hmm. And at a certain point in season one, um, I don't remember, uh, I don't know, I wanna, it's pre-paintball, I can't remember. It was probably, I don't know. Uh, I feel like the first Halloween episode, you guys probably uh -huh. could tell me more than I could mm -hmm. about where we sort of started the first finding itself. Yeah, the yeah. Halloween episode is definitely a big one. That episode's mm -hmm. great. So, and I think we realized at a certain point that um, this show could do stylistic flourishes in a way. Even honestly, if I think about it, even in episode two, when we that finale that Dan wrote set to um, the Amy Mann song mm -hmm. yeah. was mm -hmm. something that you would not have seen at the time on another no. show. And it felt, <laughs> it felt like, oh, this is kind of the voice a little bit. Um, and for a while in season one, there was this attitude of like, well, we'll do one episode that's kind of crazier and then we'll <laughs> do one episode that's more grounded. And we like them both. And, but we're gonna try different, you know, um, and then it, that 
I remember after paintball, there was this pressure of like, oh, how do we top that? Or if we ever go that embrace a style that much, how do we do it in a way that feels as good or as interesting as paintball? And um, we sometimes failed and sometimes succeeded. But, um, you know, and in terms of like being a writer and getting an episode, you never sort of it was just a matter of like, we didn't have big season arcs that we talked about much mm-hmm. that I remember in season one or two. We were just finding our way. Um, and uh, we were learning. One of the things about comedy sitcoms in particular is you, there is this uh, alchemy, I would say, between the writers and the cast where right. we get to know the characters through watching these actors perform them and what their strengths and weaknesses is and what they find on set and moments that we might not have expected and then you can start writing to them and it takes a while one of those things about sitcoms is they take a while to find themselves and and also the way they get made for streaming now is very different we were Mm. writing at the same time as we were shooting right um and now typically your writer's room takes place before any production happens Mm. and you write the full season out on a show you don't even know half the cast are, you're just writing it, you've made decisions about characters, then it gets cast at in some point in that process, and maybe you make some adjustments based on what you think this person is like, but you haven't seen them actually do it. You haven't seen them do it with those other people. Um, but eventually you get assigned an episode. You typically, what's most, I think the general practice is like, typically the creator will write the next, the first episode after the pilot, and then go down, you know, you're, I don't know if you know all this, but like all those producing credits in the credits mm-hmm. are, or mm-hmm. most of them are writers and they just have mm-hmm. different titles, you know, co-executive producer, a supervising producer, um, a consulting producer, uh, co-producer are writers. Huh. Um, I did not know that. Executive story editor is a writer, a mm-hmm. story editor, just a writer. <laughs> they, um, but you get, as you sort of, um, work more and more you move up the ladder in terms of your title Hmm. so um so it's not quite just a total chaos i mean you know most rooms are a bit of a meritocracy and any good idea wins out but also somebody who's a staff writer or a story editor which are two of the lower level uh titles aren't they're not expected to contribute the same way that like this person you're paying a ton of money for as your (laughs) co-executive producer is supposed to contribute and really be like you know, uh, they're called the number two often. And, and, you know, when you were being pulled away to work on other stuff, they help run the show for you. Um, so typically in terms of getting an episode, you just kind of go down the list. So the number two would go and then whoever's just below them. And sometimes it gets changed up based on like, oh, this would be particularly suited to this person. But often it's just like you get assigned what you get assigned. Mm-hmm. Well, that makes me want to segue to the Dungeons and Dragons episode a little bit, because I know from listening to you talk that you weren't really uh, all that interested or familiar with Dungeons and Dragons before writing the episode. Is that That right? Correct. Um, So I was wondering how you got saddled with that episode. And I'm sure there were some people in the writer's room, like knowing people like Dan, that were very protective of that property. That must have felt like a lot of, uh, I don't know, you must have been, I don't know. How hard was that as someone that was an outsider? (laughs) It was hard. It yeah. was also, uh, and I probably mentioned this a lot in the last podcast about it, was like nobody was as familiar with Dungeons and Dragons back then. Like, unless you were one of the people who really took it seriously, because right. it wasn't, it wasn't 
as much it wasn't a, a as a big part of popular culture you know um it, it has become such a bigger thing but uh, that was an episode like i said you know we would do these episodes that were stylistically sort of more adventurous and typically cost more money and then we would have to do you know dungeons and dragons was a bottle episode right. meaning that mm -hmm. essentially it's one location with with a little bit of not being but it's all on our sets which which is much more cost effective than ever having to go out <laughs> be on location somewhere else or shoot outside um and um even on the on the paramount lot which is where we shot um and we was going to have to be shot in four days instead of wow. a typical five day because we had spent so much money on something else and i wasn't even given a full normally you're given a week to write a script i was given i think four days to write that too wow um so going into it uh it was a little intimidating because it wasn't like there was a ton of other D D people on the staff but dan was and we <laughs> knew he'd always talked about like from season one like oh and then we'll do a dungeons and dragons episode because that <laughs> like yeah of course of course we're going to do that that'll be great um and we i watched a documentary about people who play dungeons and dragons and we tried to play a little bit in the room but the biggest challenge and the thing I really wanted to do from the beginning was have real stakes in the game mm -hmm. because otherwise who cares right yeah it's like if there isn't anything if the if the outcome of the game doesn't matter outside of the game for some reason why how do we watch 30 minutes of people playing a game right. and have it and then I got very excited at the idea of like what if it wasn't just stakes, but the biggest stakes that this show had ever done? Yeah. Literally life, life or death. Uh, could we do an, a game that was a life or death for a character? Uh, and then from that point on, it started to click and made a lot of sense and uh, was a really incredibly great experience uh, to be a part of. I think those stakes really speak to I don't play Dungeons and Dragons, but I think when you're investing that much time into that game, like years and years, it feels that way. It can feel mm -hmm. life and death. Yeah. So I think that really helps uh, make it more authentic to how it actually feels to play the game. Um, I'm curious to know at what point of the production for that episode did you know it was going to be the hit that it was? Because I think a big part of what makes that episode so special are things like the sound effects that are added into the episode mm -hmm. and all that was, was it when you wrote the script? Was it when you started hearing the actors say the lines or was it when you started to see it on screen? I remember I got an email from Dan as he read my writer's draft. Um, that was, uh, uh, basically saying how happy he was. And I'd never gotten, I was probably like the fourth or fifth episode of that series I'd written. I'd never gotten an, lent an email like that from Dan. So that was encouraging, certainly. And then he and Chris McKenna and I really spent some long nights after that writer's draft trying to figure out that episode in a, in a more, uh, like it, the, the writer's draft I wrote in the episode that was broken started like a typical community episode in that it was in the cafeteria and Abed comes over to, uh, to, to Joel and, and says, Oh, I think, you know, Neil is upset about something. And it was, we needed 
you know, we needed a way into the story. We couldn't just, yeah. uh, and it was at a certain point, Chris McKenna who figured out because it was a D and D episode, like, couldn't we just do something stylistic and do a voiceover? And, and that was really exciting. But the three of us, I, I think I've told the story in a different podcast. So pardon me for telling it again, but, um, the night before that table read, Dan, we would, it was one of our, one different episode of community was airing for the first time. And Dan would have people over at his place and we'd watch it together. And we were going to, after that, start writing. And this was now like 10 o'clock at night. We started <laughs> writing at Dan's place, me, Chris and Dan. <laughs> and, uh, Chris was allergic to Dan's cat. So we couldn't work there. So we went <laughs> to my place and the three of us came there and started working in my living room at a certain point chris fell asleep uh and it was just dan and i and then at a certain point dan fell asleep and it was uh, like four in the morning and we were like two-thirds of the way through the script and i was sitting alone we were going to read this it in six hours no matter what happened and <laughs> i remember just feeling the pressure of like continuing to move this ball down the field by myself and then dan woke up and we were and then chris woke up and we got breakfast from McDonald's and we each had a little shot of whiskey and we went in to the <laughs> table read and none of us, it was pretty fresh out of the oven. And we didn't know, you know, we had, we had decided to take this character, Charlie Koontz's character and give him a lot, which mm -hmm. you don't typically do without knowing that somebody can do it. And <laughs> uh, I think uh, uh, having talked to Charlie about it, he was pretty astounded at how much dialogue he was given. And um, the cast was reading it, you know, cold. They hadn't read it before. And it was this amazing table read that just wasn't. And it was intense in a way because it was also like watching Chevy Chase be mean to this young actor about it's his brutal. In, it's in so front brutal. of everybody it was like intense and like uncomfortable, but also made the jokes that landed yeah. more hilarious mm -hmm. and and we walked out of that room being like holy shit we did it and then <laughs> nbc and sony were like what the f was that <laughs> of course they were they were like it was they were like i don't i literally i don't know what i was supposed to understand was happening am Jeez. i seeing a dragon where's like they were like it, it was just it was uh so anyway <laughs> It was a great table read. And then Joe <laughs> Russo, I was so happy. One of my favorite people to have worked with on that show really loved and embraced this episode too, and embraced really working with Charlie on a performance that I felt like was so central to making this thing work. So it was given love. It's one of those things that happen, you know, rarely happens in this industry. You work, you do, I've done a lot of episodes of television when when everybody feels like there's something special and they yeah. all care a little bit more it's pretty amazing and that's to me what happened with that episode well as a fan i know you've all heard this a million times but i'm happy to tell you that it's not only one of the best episodes of community but truly one of the best genre bending episodes of all television i think it's just incredible and is that something that you feel is that something that you resonate with or is it hard to see that as someone who's a part of it I mean, I, it's lovely to hear. I have, I can tell you that there's, I've gotten more outreach about that episode than anything I've ever worked on because so many people I feel like can relate to Charlie's character and, yeah. can, mm -hmm. and um, 
you know, and, and if at, more people have sort of told me how meaningful that episode was, even not beyond it being funny or whatever, which right. I also think it is, and I'm very proud of having been a part of it. But like, I'm also just really happy that to put something out there that makes people feel less alone. You know? Yeah. It's really powerful in that episode how, you know, making the one fat Neil joke in an earlier episode can turn into a story about what you say to someone matters a lot uh, on how they feel about themselves and how they want to live or not. I think that's just incredible. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's such a an important episode to so many people. It's one of my favorites of the the whole show. Um, But we're, you know, a couple years now from where it it was taken down from a lot of streaming platforms. I'm sure you, I know you've talked about it a little bit before, but like, how, how does it feel to have such an iconic episode be inaccessible to a lot of people? I mean, I, I know that, you know, obviously it was taken down for, for, for a joke that was in it, but, but do you still feel the same way about it being taken down that you did originally? I mean, my hope is that um, one day uh, the places that have taken it down may put a, a little warning in front of it or a little, mm-hmm. you know, absolutely. Uh, notice because it is you know if we were making that episode today we would approach it a little differently and it was one of the like i say one of the fears going into that episode was like visually how do we make this an interesting episode because we're just going to sit around we're not going to watch anybody actually play dungeons and dragons i mean other than verbally hearing it and that documentary that i watched some was a you know it was like a cosplay element to Mm -hmm. which somebody had done i was like oh that'll be visually something to look at and we you know tried to be as aware as we could be at the time of like oh is this insensitive and let's let's call out the insensitivity of it hopefully that will be part of what is interesting about that moment but all that said um you know i my hope is that it you know the nice thing is that amazon has continued to keep it on i'm hopeful that peacock will will have it um and um you know uh i think that it's i know i'm petering out um but <laughs> You're good. i was gonna say i can't remember what i was gonna say anyway um oh you know i it, if that moment has offended people that's the last thing any of us wanted or made mm-hmm. you know and i haven't personally gotten any direct messages or seen online people taking that moment in a way that was offensive but you know, you don't want to hurt, you know, I, obviously. obviously this was an episode meant to connect people and make them feel less alone. And that's what we want. Yeah. And, you know, that's the yeah. end. It is. It's an interesting piece of television history, the balance on, well, it's good to not have problematic images like that out there because who knows what lesson it's teaching to people. But right. also, what does it say that we just take things away, too? I love your idea of, and I know they do this on Disney+, Plus, putting some mm-hmm. type of message before the episode and, yeah. and yeah. letting people decide on it for themselves. Exactly. Well, I know we only have a couple minutes left, and there's a lot that we'd love to talk to you about. I know you're doing a lot of exciting stuff with Marvel, uh, both with Hawkeye and with upcoming projects. I'm sure that's another world of uh, a frothing-at-the-mouth fan base that you've got to be really careful with. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but before we lose you, we want to make sure that the couple of questions that we got from Twitter that we really like oh, sure. from people that we were able to give to you. And like we said before we started recording, these are all community movie questions. If it's something that you can't say, a simple pass is just fine. Okay. So, Stephen, do you want to do the first one? 
uh, rapid fire. You you start, Zach. Okay. Uh, what's most exciting to you about returning to Greendale? That's from the Community Rewatch podcast on Twitter. Is spending time with these characters again uh, and and seeing what's happened to them since we left. Will you treat the film as more of an extra long episode or is it a completely different writing process from the show? That's at Jojo Hobbit on Twitter. We are trying to make it not feel like a long episode of TV. Our like goal that. is to make it feel like a movie. That's very exciting. Um, next one is from uh, at communities on Twitter. Who's who we lovingly involved. call our community daddy. <laughs> uh, and he asks, not to give things away, but what do you think the series missed out on that the first movie, see what I did there, could do? Uh, mm -hmm. uh, God, I don't know what the series missed out on. That's a good question. <laughs> yeah, I yeah mean, it is. Dan and I did a full rewatch when we we're started talking about how to crack this as a movie. That's incredible. And uh, there was not a lot that was left undiscovered, <laughs> I think. Uh, to me, again, it's about what's happened since we left, like the mm -hmm. passage of time, like that throw forward at the very end, you know, of like where these characters will be without each other, you know, mm -hmm. to me is interesting. Steven, you take the last one. This is a big one, whether you yeah. can say anything about it or uh, not. When are you expecting to start shooting the movie? Is there any like tentative like plan in place? There are tentative calendars going around. Right. We're having a meeting today about some of that. Whoa, um, well, that's awesome. We are going to try to do this as quickly as we can. Peacock wants it as fast as they can have it. Sure. <laughs> and I want it. As, and, and it will also be about we've got uh, a terrific cast who is incredibly busy and making yeah. sure they can all be in the same place at the same time. Yeah, the, uh, the press release said 2023, which seemed way too soon. Is that real? We can try. Okay, hey. that's cool to hear. Yeah, it is. Yep. Well, I think that's about what we got. This has been really fun just listening to you talk about working on television. We love television so much, and it's so cool to feel just a little bit closer to it by, by talking to you guys. So thanks for joining us. And just wondering if there's any last things you have to say for the all the community fans that are just frothing at the mouth for, for any tidbits they can get about this movie, how they can I would just, support it. I would just that. thank them. I would just thank them again and say, please know that we hear you out there. All your tweets, your, your relationships with each other, the community. Yeah. I know it's a community thing, but like that you've established with each other, it matters. And it, it means it's incredible. And we pay attention and thank you and keep doing it, please. Well, That's thank awesome. you so much, Andrew. Thanks so much, it's Andrew. been a lot of fun. All right, guys. Thank you. All the Thanks. best. Have a good one. Okay. Bye. And that was it. That was our interview with Andrew. Wow. That was so fun. And that was great. crazy that we get to do things like this. What were your biggest takeaways? What are you walking away thinking? Um, I think it was so cool to get to hear about you know, not only just the process of, of, you know, the movie coming to him and how long it's been in production, but getting right. to hear about the the making of my favorite episode of the show is is pretty cool too. I thought the same. Hearing him, not only that has he worked on one of our favorite shows, but other favorites of our shows like yeah. Thirty Rock <laughs> and not Parks and Recreation. <laughs> <laughs> that was a really funny moment. <laughs> I did not great. mean to say Parks and Rec, but. Damn, what am I going to talk about for an hour? All of my questions are Parks and Rec related. <laughs> uh, so what was it like uh, 
<laughs> working with uh, Aubrey Plaza. How much do you love Amy Poehler? Uh, yeah, she's great. <laughs> was uh, was Chris Pratt always a bit of a dick, or is that new? <laughs> The Jesus stuff, was that going on then? It's a me! We were trying to get all the Mario dirt, but unfortunately that wasn't this interview's job, I guess. Before we wrap up, I want to talk about a couple of things coming ahead. First, I want to mention that next Monday, in a few days, we'll be releasing the fourth and final edition of America's Next Top Zach and Steven Rewatch podcast. And it's important that you follow us over on Twitter at YouCan'tDisAPod because starting Tuesday, October 18th, the week-long poll begins, which will decide which of the four shows you will be demanding as a nation that we do next. (laughs) Yeah, it's not a request. The other thing I want to mention is that, so next week, next Monday, is the America's Next Top, Zach and Steven. The Mm -hmm. week after that, we do the community series finale. And, you know, we keep saying that we're going to be around for the rest of 2022, but then we're out of stuff, right? Wrong. Wrong! (laughs) We're doing a series of seven community superlative top five podcasts, and I wanted to shout it out because we want you guys to be a part of it. We're going to do seven episodes throughout the end of 2022. That, that tackle, Seven, Zach? Yes, that tackle different top five topics about the show. And we want you guys, like we've always wanted you to, to send us in your versions of these lists. People already have, and that's great, and we want to get as many as we can. Whether you want to email them to us, if you want to say your name on a voice message and give us something that we can play on the podcast, a voice message or video, that would be great. Yeah, send and us just, your mixtape. Real quick, I want to tell you what those seven lists are so you can get started on those. This is a big episode for us, so I thought it was a good time to plug it. Uh, Mm -hmm. Get us your top five homage episodes of Community. Very exciting. Get us your top five underrated episodes of Community. Uh, I literally know that someone has already written in, and it's just the Schmitty episode five times. Uh, Give us your top five (laughs) golden era episodes so that's seasons one through three and then your top five silver era episodes which are seasons four through six a uh, top five plot lines you would have liked to see in community your top five community songs and it's okay if it's uh teach me how to celebrate christmas over mm-hmm. and over again that's fine and also your top five must-haves for the upcoming community movie we'll send them all in droves to andrew guest so he can fit them all in in the film So get those all into us by the end of October to make sure they'll be included on those special podcasts. Send those into can'tdisappointpodcast at gmail.com. And Steven, other than that, let's get out of here. What a fun bonus episode this has been. Let's do it. I think that was a blast. That was such a good good time. I'm glad he, he... Took the time out of his very busy schedule. As Literally he he on the same day that he has a meeting about putting together the schedule for the community movie. That's crazy. That's, That's crazy. so crazy. Wow. So thank you very, very much, Andrew Guest. Support everything that he's written for. Support Parks and Rec because, I don't know, why not? Uh, it was a lot of fun to talk to him, and I hope you got your mouth wet with some Yeah, go buy the DVD box set of uh, what's called Faith and Hope. Hope faith and, and faith. Hope. Yeah, Hope, hope and, and Faith. faith. Uh, go watch uh, Do Not Disturb with yep. Nisi oh, Nash and Jerry say, O'Connell. Episodes? All three episodes. <laughs> Jerry O'Connell. You know, Dave Franco was in that show. So was Jesse Tyler Ferguson. I only had time to research Parks and Recs. Oh, I didn't. didn't (laughs) All right, everyone. So before we wrap this up, if you like what we do here, you want to uh, support us further, patreon.com slash can't disappoint podcast is the place to do that. Uh, Plans start at $5 a month and you can get a whole lot of Zach and Steven for just a a little bit of dollars. Uh, Outside of that, 
buddy, where can the people find us? Well, like we said, go over and just like obliterate your votes for that poll over on Twitter, over at You Can't Disappoint. We're also on Instagram under the uh, name Can't Disappoint Podcast. We're also on YouTube and Facebook, both of those, both places. That's both right, not just one or the not other. We're one. on both. They tell the us you can't. You can't show. be on Facebook you can't do and both. YouTube, but we did. We did both. We're rebels. We we break the system. Uh, but under the whole name of the show, you can't disappoint a podcast. Uh, in a couple weeks, our roundtable's coming out. You get to see our beautiful faces there. Um, as well as the beautiful faces of our guests that we have for that. So stay tuned, stay classy, stay weird, and and stay listening. Everybody, thanks for joining us today. I hope you got a few little tidbits that you're going to write home to mom about. From inside the Dreamatorium, Black Lives Matter, I'm Zach. I'm Steven. We love you very much, and we'll see you on Monday. Pew, pew! Situation knowing Rush for a change of atmosphere I'm fully grown And I know where it's at Somehow I stay thin While the other guys got fat